Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Amma ba'd Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Allahumma anfa'na bima allamtana Wa'allimna ma yanfa'una Warzuqna ilman tanfa'una bih Amin ya rabbal alamin Alhamdulillah Thumma alhamdulillah we have the first lesson today of our uh, three lesson or three lecture series in the month of Ramadan. Alhamdulillah. And our topic today is the discussion on Ayatul Kursi, a brief uh, explanation on this great ayah or great verse that is found in the Quran and more specifically in Suratul Baqarah, verse number 255. And there are many virtues of this ayah that we find in the Quran or in the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama and this is why many scholars have gone and explained this ayah in great detail and of course many Muslims have gone and memorized this ayah from a young age and we recite it daily walhamdulillah as a daily protection and seeking great barakah and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through this great ayah so we begin today's lesson by speaking about a few of the virtues of uh, Ayatul Kursi that is found in the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The first virtue is that it is described as the greatest ayah in the Quran. It has been described as the greatest ayah in the Quran. So there's a hadith where the great companion Ubay ibn Ka'b radiyallahu anhu he was asked by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what is the greatest ayah in the Quran and Ubay he responded and said Allahu wa rasuluhu a'lam that indeed Allah and the messenger they know best and he was repeatedly asked by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the same question as if to say to him Ubay I want to hear your opinion on this what do you have to say because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi knew that Ubay had great knowledge of the Qur'an and he was one of the great reciters of the, of the Qur'an. And Ubay eventually said, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum. Meaning, Ayatul Kursi. And he recited the, the, the beginning of Ayatul Kursi. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then said, لِيَهْنِكَ الْعِلْمِ يَا أَبَلْ munzir." That congratulations upon this knowledge. Some scholars say this means may, may knowledge be granted to you or be, be honored to you, O Abu al-Mundir, which was the kunya of Ubay ibn Ka'b. So this is a clear uh, approval by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama for this answer that was given by Ubay, that this is indeed the correct answer. This is indeed the correct answer. The greatest ayah in the Qur'an without a doubt is Ayatul Kursi. Another evidence or another virtue of Ayatul Kursi is that it contains the greatest name of Allah, Ismullah al-A'zam. Allah has many names, more than 100 and odd names, and only Allah knows how many names He has. But from amongst those names, we know from a few ahadith that to Allah belongs the greatest name. One of His names is considered His greatest name. And this greatest name is found in Ayatul Kursi as is uh, mentioned in a hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, for example, he said, the greatest name of Allah is found in Ayatul Kursi. It is found in the beginning of 
Ali Imran, and it's also found in Surah Taha. Surah Taha. And we will expound upon this uh, again, the greatest name of Allah, when we speak about some of the names that are mentioned in Ayatul Kursi. It is also a protection from the Shayateen. Ayatul Kursi serves as a protection for the believer from the Shayateen. And we know the famous story of Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, where he was placed by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the guardian for the Baytul Mal. And what happened was is he came to the Baytul Mal, he opened up and he found that some dates have been stolen. And there are different versions and, and narrations some say that three times he came and he did not see anybody. The Prophet ﷺ instructed him to say something. And on the third time he found a person. Basically, he came across someone stealing. And when he caught this person, this person said, look, he's a jinn. And he's from the poor and he's only taking for his family and so forth. Abu Huraira left him. And he promised not to come back. The second time the same thing happened. A third night the same thing happened. And Abu Hurairah said to him, you promised that you would not return. Tomorrow I'm going to, or let, let's, let me go and I'll take you to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this jinn, he said to him, um, leave me, I will definitely not, uh, not return, and I will teach you some knowledge that will benefit you. And he said to Abu Hurairah that when you, before you go to sleep, one should recite, Ayatul Kursi. And this person will have a protector that is placed for him, that will be guarding him for the entire night. And the shaitan, shayateen, they will not be able to come close to him. When he reached the morning, Abu Hurairah then went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he mentioned this incident to him. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, he spoke the truth to you, although he is a liar. Indeed, that was the shaitan. So the shaitan, we know he's a liar. But in that case, he spoke the truth. That indeed, a person who recites Ayatul Kursi before he sleeps will have a guardian that's placed by him that over or that protects him throughout the night until he wakes up. And no shaitan will be able to come close to him throughout that night. So indeed, it is a protection. And the scholars have always applied it as a protection. Many of the ulama, like Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah, said that at times of uh, fear, at times of, you know, when a person fears for the devil and so forth, they should recite Ayatul Kursi, and this will serve as a protection for him. Many of the ruqah, those people who practice ruqya and recite over people who are possessed, they recite Ayatul Kursi uh, many times because it has a great uh, protection in it, and it, has, it is the most powerful of all ayat, at the end of the day. Another virtue is whoever recites it after the obligatory salah. This person will be under the care and protection of Allah until the next salah. This is a hadith in At-Tabarani and it was classified as Hassan by Aba uh, Al-Mundir and also uh, Ibn Hajar Al-Haythami. That this person who prays and he recites Ayatul Kursi, he will stay under the care and protection of Allah until the next salah. So if we recite this after every salah, then throughout the day and night we will have we will be under the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to our recitation of 
Ayatul Kursi. Another benefit is also another virtue mentioned that the one who recites it after each obligatory salah, then death will be the only thing preventing him from entering Jannah. Death will be the only thing preventing him from entering Jannah. Yani, if you recite it after the salah, it's as if Jannah is guaranteed for you. It's as if you, uh, you, you would be entering Jannah if you were, if, if, if you were not alive. Yani, because we are still alive, we are in a different realm, in a different world. But this is an indication that the one who upholds the sunnah of reciting Ayatul Kursi at the end of each salah, this could be a means for him to entering paradise and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of them. So these are at least five benefits and five virtues of Ayatul Kursi which clearly proves the greatness of the surah and why many of the ulama, well not many, all of the ulama consider this surah to be the greatest surah um, in the Quran. It is, Afan, the greatest ayah in the Quran is Ayatul, is Ayatul Kursi according to those evidences that we have mentioned, Walhamdulillah. So now we look at a brief tafsir of this, of this great ayah. We go through the ayah piece by piece and we will give a brief uh, or summarize tafsir of this ayah bi'idhnillahi uh, ta'ala. The ayah starts off with lafzul jalalah, mentioning the name of Allah, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum. Allah starts off with the, the ayah by starting with his name, Allah. And this is Allah's personal name. This is Allah's personal name. This name applies to none but Him. None but Him. Not in the days of Jahiliyyah, nor after that, it was this name applied to anyone but Allah Azza wa Jal, but Himself. So this is His greatest name according to majority of the scholars. Right? We said one of the virtues of Ayatul Kursi is within it is Allah's greatest name. So the hadith says, whosoever calls upon Allah by His greatest name, his dua will be accepted. And whosoever asks Allah for something via his greatest name, he will be given what he's asked. So there's great virtue in making dua through the greatest name of Allah. But the difference of opinion amongst the scholars comes in, what is the greatest name of Allah? Majority of the ulama say, the greatest name of Allah is his name, Allah. And that seems to be the strongest view and Allah knows best. The name of Allah means the one who truly deserves to be worshipped. Worshipped. He is the one who deserves to be worshipped and nobody or nothing else besides him. This is what Allah means. The one who is deserved of worship. And this is Allah's personal name as we said. It applies to none but him. Lafzul Jalala in Arabic we refer to it as Lafzul Jalala which basically means a, a, a majestic term, a majestic word or the term of majesty. Lafzul Jalala. This is Allah's name. Allah. La ilaha illahu. There is none worthy of worship except Him. Or none has the right to be worshipped but He. But Him. So Allah in this uh, phrase here is the subject. What follows is an explanation or an attribute of His. Which explains who He is talking about the subject. La ilaha illahu. This is Allah, la ilaha illahu, is basically like la ilaha illallah, which is kalimatul ikhlas, the statement of truth, the statement of sincerity, the greatest statement that the Muslim has. It is our kalima, it is what enters us into Islam. 
to sincerely believe in it is what makes us Muslimin. To disbelieve in it takes one out of the fold of Islam. La ilaha. What does this mean? There is none worthy of worship. La in this context is a la which is a la of negation. Everything that follows is now negated. La ilaha. There is no ilah. Ilah means something that is worshipped. Ilah is also a name of Allah. Al-ilah is one of his names. So there is no ilah. The believer, when we say this, what do we mean when we say la ilaha? We mean there is no true ilah. There is none worthy of worship. This is complete negation of every single false deity. So we know that there are other deities out there. There are people who worship the sun, the moon. There are people who worship trees and stones. There are people who worship idols, animals. There are people who worship angels, jinn. There are people who worship Satan. There are people who worship people, saints, living or dead. Are these people, they are taken as gods or as ilahs. But when we say there is no ilah, what do we mean? There is no true ilah. There is no worthy ilah. So when we say la ilaha, we are absolutely taking ourselves out of the realm of shirk. And we are saying we disbelieve in every single god. Every single ilah. Every single deity. I do not worship anything. No stone, no tree, no angel, no saint. Living or dead. No gravesite, no nothing. I disbelieve in every single thing. And then comes the second part of the phrase, Illallah, or in this context, Illahu, except Him, referring to Allah. This is what we call affirmation. Negation, we negate every single thing, and now we do affirmation for who? Illahu, except Him. None but Him. I disbelieve in everything but Him. I, I disassociate my worship from every single thing but Him. So when we say La ilaha illallah, what do we mean? We say, I, or there is none worthy of worship except Allah Azza wa Jal. I disbelieve in everything except Allah. I worship nothing except Allah. This is what this kalima means. Um, Allahu la ilaha illahu. So we say Allah, there is none worthy, of, truly worthy of worship except Him. Al-Hayyul Qayyum. Al-Hayyul Qayyum. And here are another two of Allah's names that are mentioned. Al-Hay and Al-Qayyum. So firstly, we look at them individually. What does Al-Hay mean? Al-Hay is Allah's name, the ever-living. The one who is described with life. With every name of Allah, we learn attributes of His. We learn about His names and His attributes. So this is who Allah is. He is attributed with life. Allah is full of life. And He has perfect life. Because what is the principle? To Allah belongs the most beautiful of names, Asma'ul Husna and Sifatihil Uliya, which means He has the loftiest and the most perfect of attributes. Every attribute of His is an attribute of complete perfection. So when we say Allah has life, it means He has perfect life, as opposed to life of creation. So for example, Allah has no start and no end. His life did not start somewhere and nor does it end anywhere. It's perfect life. It's eternal. Whereas creation has a start 
and they have death, they have an end. They have an end. This is the difference between perfect perfection and imperfection of creation. Allah's life is not faced with difficulties, nor is it faced with uh, fatigue or slumber or sleep, like that of creation. This, the, Allah is not exposed to anything like this because of His perfection. So this is who Allah is as Al-Hay, the ever-living, perfect life. No start, no finish. No, life, no, no beginning, he's not born, Lam Yalid. He, he was not born. He was not given birth to. Nor does he, Alladhi la yamut. As the Quran says, put your trust in Al-Hay, the ever-living, Alladhi la yamut, the one who does not die. So this is Allah as a perfect being, full of life. And he is Al-Qayyum. Al-Qayyum means the self-existing or self-subsisting. And this is, at least means two things. Number one, regarding himself, he exists by himself. Allah is not dependent on anything, on anything at all. He exists by himself. He does not need food or drink or air to breathe. He does not need a companion, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a brother, a friend, a father, Nothing. Allah is by Himself. He exists by Himself because He's perfect. Al-Ghani. He is free from need. Self-sufficient. So this is Al-Qayyum. Al-Qayyum is also the one who He takes care of everything else. So number one, He exists by Himself. Self-subsisting or self-existing. And also, naturally, He is the one who takes care of everything else. He provides for everything else. He gives them life and death. He takes care of everything. This sama and the ard, it does not stand except by the will of Allah. This is an ayah in the Quran. That the heavens and the earth is not kept up except by the command of Allah. Because Allah is al-qayyum. Qayyumiyah, he takes care of everything. He's in charge of everything. So Allah by himself is self-subsisting, self-existing, and also nothing exists except by him. Except because of him. So, that's the name Al-Hay and Al-Qayyum individually. When we put them together, and often they are found together. In du'as, for example, in the Quran, they are found together. Like this example over here. Another example is the beginning of Al-Imran. Alif Lamim, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al qayyum in Surah Taha, Allah says, وَعَنَتِ الْوُجُوهُ لِلْحَيِّ الْقَيُّومِ That the eyes are, وَعَنَتِ الْوُجُوهُ Or the faces are submitted or humbled for who? الْحَيُّ الْقَيُّومِ The ever-living, the self-subsisting. A famous dua, morning and evening we recite it. Also the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to recite this dua whenever he was faced with difficulty. He would say, يَا حَيُّ يَا قَيُّومِ بِرَحْمَتِكَ أَسْتَغِيثِ our ever-loving, or the self-subsisting. Through your mercy do I seek relief. So through your mercy do I seek relief. The dua of the morning and evening we add, أصلح لي شأني كله ولا تكلني إلى نفسي طرفة عينين. Rectify for me, fix up all of my affairs, and do not leave me to myself. Don't leave my affairs to me, not for the blinking of an eye. This is what we recite at least once in the morning and evening. So, we find often, this name Al-Hayyul Qayyum mentioned together like this. Ibn Al-Qayyum said when one makes dua using this, this name like this together, Al-Hayyul Qayyum, and he seeks relief, he will find relief. 
through that name as the Prophet also promised. So many of the ulama are of the opinion that this is Allah's greatest name, Al-Hayyul Qayyum. Al-Hayyul Qayyum is his greatest name because the hadith, one of the hadith that speaks about Allah's greatest name says it is found in Atul Kursi, Al-Imran and Taha and I gave the three references already of those three surahs. So he was of the opinion, Ibn Al-Qayyim rather was of the opinion that this is the greatest name of Allah. And other ulama, we said, the greatest name they said is Allah. So, another benefit of these two names put together is that when we look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we look at Allah as a being. Then we know that Allah has a that. Allah has an essence, who he is, his makeup. When we speak about his knowledge, we speak about his hearing, his sight, we speak about uh, his face or his hand. Then this is Allah's that. These are examples of his that. All of these names and attributes, they go back to which name? Al-Hay. This is what the scholars have said. Because for Allah to have knowledge, for him to hear or to see or to have certain uh, parts of the that that are mentioned, he must firstly be alive. He must have life. The attribute of life comes first. So therefore, all of those attributes of Allah's essence, they go back to which name? Al-Hay. And then we look at Allah from another angle. Allah has actions. Allah does various things. He creates, He provides, He gives life and death. All of this goes back to which name? Al-Qayyum. So the actions of Allah, they all go back to the name Al-Qayyum. Because for Him to do those things, He must firstly be existing by Himself. Self-existing. And then He takes care of the rest of, uh, the rest of creation. So all of the names... Uh, which refers to and Allah's attributes which refers to Allah's um, Allah's actions they go back to the name Al-Qayyum and this is another reason why the scholars argue that this is Allah's greatest name Al-Hayyul Qayyum and others said Allah's greatest name is Allah they argued for example all of the names belongs to the name Allah as Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ To Allah belongs the beautiful names. Allah didn't say the beautiful names belongs to any other name, but His main name, Allah, that is His personal name. عَلَى كُلِّ حال, When we make dua, we always say, Ya Allah. And we should never neglect saying, calling upon Allah with this name. Because according to most scholars, this is His most beautiful name. And we should also incorporate the dua, Ya Hayu Ya Qayyum. بِرَحْمَتِكَ أَسْتَغِيثِ Never forget this dua. As we mentioned, it's a dua for, a time, for times of hardship, but we can use it as a general dua as well. Oh, the ever-loving, oh, the self-existing, you know, and you, you talk to Allah, you speak to Allah, and you make dua to Him. If we mention these three names at least, Allah, Al-Hayr, Al-Qayyum, we will most definitely, bi-idhnillah, have achieved the greatest name of Allah, and therefore this will be a means of our duas being accepted, bi-idhnillah ta'ala. So we move on to the next part of the of the ayah we've spoken about Allah la ilaha illa huwal hayyul qayyum the next part of the ayah says la ta'khudhuhu sinatu wa that neither slumber nor sleep overtakes him neither slumber nor sleep overtakes him this ayah why is this ayah so great why is this ayah? So, the ayah is so great because it speaks about the greatness and the magnificence and the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
The greatest parts of the Quran are the, are the parts that speak about Allah. The greatest surah in the Quran is Surah Al-Fatiha. More than half the surah speaks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another great surah in the Quran is Surah Al-Ikhlas. The hadith says it's equal to a third of the Quran. One third of the Quran. What does it speak about? It speaks about Allah. And also the greatest ayat and parts of the Quran are those parts which speak about Allah and who Allah is and the greatness of Allah. And this is why Ayatul Kursi is such a great ayah because it speaks about the greatness and the magnificence and the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It gives us an understanding of who Allah is. And this is one of the main reasons why it is the greatest um, ayah in the Quran. So no slumber overtakes him. لا تأخذه سنه سنه means slumber. He does not become weary or tired or he doesn't fall asleep or, or feel like sleeping or become fatigued or lethargic. This doesn't happen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, if this never happens, he's always vigilant. He's always 100% aware of every single thing that's happening. So, no shortcoming, no unawareness or ignorance ever touches Allah. As insan, if we look at ourselves, we always lose focus. We focus for a certain amount of time and then we lose focus. And then we turn away or we, we, we miss certain things. We miss so many. We, in fact, we miss more than what we actually attended of. And this does never, this never applies to Allah. This again shows the difference between creation and the, the perfect creator. لا تأخذه سنة. No slumber. He doesn't miss a single thing. لا يعزبه عنه مثقال ذرة في السماوات والأرض ولا أصغر من ذلك ولا أكبر أو كما قال الله سبحانه وتعالى That nothing is hidden from him in the heavens and the earth. ولا أصغر من ذلك In fact, what does the ayah say? لا لا يعزب عنه مثقال ذرة في السماوات ولا في الأرض ولا يعزب عنه مثقال ذرة في السماوات والأرض ولا أصغر من ذلك ولا أكبر إلا في كتاب مبين أو كما قال that not even something as small as an atom's weight or the size of a small ant is hidden from Allah سبحانه وتعالى in heavens or the earth nothing smaller than that or bigger than that nothing is hidden from him and this also speaks about Allah's awareness that he is never no no slumber overtakes him He's always as perfect, watch over every single uh, thing. Wala nawm. And nawm is even stronger than slumber. No sleep. If, if no slumber overtakes him, what about sleep? So Allah, he, he, yani definitely if no slumber overtakes him, then definitely no sleep. In fact, in the hadith it says, Indeed, Allah does not sleep. And it's not befitting for His Majesty that He sleeps. It's not befitting. For the Lord of the worlds to fall asleep. And, and in reality, this is something that can never happen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He's always described with perfection. He's always attributed with attributes of perfection. And I, from, the, from imperfection is that we become tired and weary and fatigued and that we need to sleep. This is imperfection. It shows a lack of strength, a lack of qayyumiyyah, as Allah is al-qayyum. It shows a lack of many things. And, and a need for many things. And this can never be attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he is not overcome with slumber nor with sleep. To him belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth. 
every single thing belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is Al-Malik. One of his names is Al-Malik, the owner. The owner of every single thing in the heavens and in the earth. And this indicates that Allah is the Rabb and everything besides him is the Marbub. So he is the Lord and everything besides him is basically the slaves of Allah, the servants of Allah. Everything falls part of his kingdom and everything is under his power and his authority. In another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, In man fi samawat wal ardi illa atir rahmani abda. That there is nothing in the heavens and the earth, but it comes to a rahman the most gracious or the most compassionate or the one who is eternal in his mercy, except that it comes to Ar-Rahman as a servant. In There is nothing in the heavens and the earth, except that it comes to Allah as a slave, as a servant, as an abd. Indeed, he knows each one of them and has counted them with a full counting. وَكُلُّهُمْ آتِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَرْدًا And every one of them will come to him on the day of Qiyamah فَرْدًا Alone, by themselves, without any helper, without a protector, or defender, or someone to guard them, alone by themselves, they will stand in front of Allah. And he is the king. Al-Malik and Al-Malik, the king, and he is the owner, and to him belongs every single thing. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ Who is he that can intercede with him, meaning with Allah, except with his permission? Who is there that can intercede with Allah, except after the permission of Allah? Meaning there is nobody that can intercede, that can be an intercessor, and stand in front of Allah and intercede on behalf of others, except after Allah allows this to happen, except after the permission and the will of Allah. And there are again many ayat that speaks about shafa'ah and the intercession of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, firstly we say that shafa'ah belongs to Allah. Shafa'ah belongs to Allah. As Allah says in the Quran, Say indeed or say to Allah belongs intercession completely. All of intercession, it belongs to Allah. So if we want intercession if we seek and hope for and desire and long for intercession on qiyamah that uh, somebody intercedes on our behalf or that rasulullah sallallahu intercedes on our behalf we should ask allah for intercession we, are, we should ask allah ya allah uh, allow the prophet to intercede on my behalf make me of those who will be honored and blessed and who will be of those who will be interceded by or for by rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in another ayah, and that was Qulillah Shafa'atu Jami'ah is in Surah Zumar verse 44, that all of Shafa'ah belongs to Allah. In another ayah, Allah even speaks about the Malaika. وَكَمْ مِنْ مَلَكٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ لَا تُغْنِي شَفَاعَتُهُمْ شَيْئًا إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ أَيَّذَنَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَرْضَى That there are many angels in the heavens. And how many Allah says, وَكَمْ مِنْ مَلَكٍ How many angels are there in the heavens? فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ whose intercession will avail nothing. The intercession will avail for nothing, for nobody. Except after Allah has given His permission, His leave, for whom He wills, and He is pleased with. 
So Allah decides who will get intercession. And it will only be those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. وَلَا تَنْفَعُ الشَّفَاعَةُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ In another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that shafa'ah will not benefit anyone with Allah except for the one whom Allah allows it to benefit. Except the one whom Allah gives permission uh, to for this. So, this is in ayah, Surah Saba, verse 23, and the other ayah was in Surah Najm, verse 26. The ayah about the malaika and the uh, intercession that will not avail anybody is in Surah Najm, verse 26. So our Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, when he attains the honorable station on the day of Qiyamah, the station of Shafa'ah, we know that he will do Shafa'ah for his followers and for the, the true believers. But this will not happen except after Allah gives him permission. Except after Allah gives him permission to do the Shafa'ah. So what will happen is, the hadith says, I will stand under the throne of Allah and I will fall down into prostration. And Allah will allow me to remain in that position as long as he wants. So the, the Prophet will be in prostration, in, in sujood basically, as long as Allah wants him to be on the day of Qiyamah. ثُمَّ يُقَالْ Then it will be said to him, اِرْفَعْ رَأْسَكْ Raise your head. وَقُلْ تُسْمَعْ And speak, and you will be heard. وَشْفَعْ تُشَفَّعْ Intercede, and your intercession will be accepted. This is an honor that is given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it will be said, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then said, He will allow me a proportion whom I will enter into paradise. There will be a certain amount of people that will be given to the Prophet that he will then get and enter into, into Jannah. So this is what we long for. This is what every believer hopes for. That he will be honored on this way, in this way, on the day of Qiyamah, that he gets the Shafa'ah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. But this Shafa'ah, as we said, is only for those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. As the Quran says, it's the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. They are the ones who will be given the shafa'ah and will, be, will, will get the intercession of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And more specifically, this does not apply except to certain people. And except firstly to the people of Tawheed and the people of Ikhlas. This does not apply to anyone who worships other than Allah. This only applies to those who are sincere when it comes to worshipping Allah alone. And praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, alone. The hadith basically says, أَسْعَدُ النَّاسِ بِشَفَاعَةِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ خَالُصًا مِنْ قَلْبِهِ That the happiest of people on the day, on the day of Qiyamah with my intercession are those who say لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ He is none worthy of worship except Allah sincerely from their hearts. خَالِصًا مِنْ قَلْبِهِ They are not those who just أَتَّ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ so there's a difference between saying La ilaha illallah by the way. And there's a difference when you say La ilaha illallah truly from the bottom of your heart with, with full belief and yaqeen and sincerity. Nobody forces you to say it. You're not saying this because it's just something that we say uh, by the way or nonchalantly without any feeling, without any understanding. It's something that we say khalisan, sincerely, knowing what it means, understanding what it means. There is none that I worship except Allah. 
There is none that I believe is worthy of worship except for Allah. No being, no tree, no angel, no messenger that was sent, no angel that was sent, nothing, no matter its status, is worthy of worship except worship except for Allah. Not Jibreel alayhi salam, the greatest of the angels, and not Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the greatest of the messengers. We believe they are not worthy of worship because they are not the creator. They are not the Lord of, of, of everything. And they are not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a secret from the secrets of Tawheed that Shafa'a will only be achieved by the people of Tawheed, by those who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. In another hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, also in Sahih Muslim, he said that every Prophet had a dua that was mustajaba. It was accepted. So every Prophet, they rushed to use this, their dua, you know, and they, they used the specific dua that was definitely accepted and they, they used that dua. But I have delayed my dua for the shafa'a of my ummah on the day of Qiyamah. And this is the Prophet of Mercy, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's delayed that dua for whom? For his ummah. On the day of Qiyamah, he will pray for them. And this will be his special dua that will be accepted. فَهِيَ نَائِلَهْ اللَّهِ مَنْ مَاتَ مِنْ أُمَّتِي لَا يُشْرِكُ بِاللَّهِ شَيْئًا This will be, this will be, it will reach and it will be achieved by whom? By the will of Allah, he says. Look at the wording. It will be achieved by whom? Firstly, by the will of Allah. Only those whom Allah wills will get the shafa'a. And we don't know whom these are. This is something that's only known to Allah. Those who die from my ummah and la yushriku billahi shay'a, they do not associate any partners with Allah. They don't worship anyone but Allah. When they make dua, they say, Ya Allah, Ya Rabb. Not O Wali, O Saint, O Prophet, O Jibreel, not O Abdul Qadir Jilani, not so and so. They say, Ya Allah. When they fear, they fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appropriately. When they sacrifice, they sacrifice in the name of Allah. When they seek protection, they seek protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not from a jinn, not from a sorcerer or a fortune teller or from a ta'weeth. They seek it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they put their trust, they put their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they put their head on the ground in sajda, when they bow down, they do this for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to Allah alone. These are the people who will get the shafa'a of Rasulullah, as he said himself in a hadith, in Sahih Muslim. So this is a clear proof that the people of shirk, the people of shirk, the mushrikeen, they will not achieve the shafa'a of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa They will be denied the shafa'a of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa even though they are claiming shafa'a in this dunya. So some of them, they make dua to the Prophet asking him for shafa'a. We say this is incorrect. The dua should be to the Prophet, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Asking him to bless you with the shafa'a of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then we have those who worship others. And they claim that this is done out of shafa'a. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Surah Yunus, verse number 18. وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ وَيَقُولُونَ هَا أُولَاءِ شُفَعَاءُنَا إِنْدَ اللَّهِ And they worship from besides Allah. That which does not harm them nor benefit them. It will never harm them or benefit them. This is in the hand of Allah alone. And they say, what's the excuse? They don't say that we are worshipping them. 
They don't say I'm worshipping this person or this this karama karamat or this wali or this angel or this jinn. No, they say Allah. The excuse is these are our intercessors with Allah. These are our people, our things, our beings, our uh, whomsoever it is that are our intercessors with Allah. They are going to intercede for us. But what are we learning now through this ayah? Only Allah knows. Only Allah, the ones whom Allah gives permission to do shafa'ah, will do shafa'ah. So how can you say this is our intercessors when only Allah knows who's going to do intercession? Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zumar, verse number 3, We do not worship them except that they take us closer to Allah, that they will bring us closer to Allah. This is the excuses that the mushrikeen make to justify the shirk. Whether it's done, as I said, to the Prophet, to Jibreel, to any other saint, to an angel, to a jinn, to whomsoever it's done with. And they claim this is just to bring us closer to Allah, or these are our intercessors. This is what the Quran spoke about over 1400 years ago. This is the, the, the proofs and the reasonings that the Quran came and abolished and refuted and destroyed all those years ago. So, a person who falls into this has fallen into major shirk. And the Quran refers to them as kuffar and mushrikeen. The Quran, if you go to the same ayah that I mentioned, you will see the end of the ayah says, Subhanallah amma yushrikun. Indeed, Allah is far and above, subhanahu wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. And exalted over that which they associate of partners with him. He refers to it as shirk. In the verse in Surah Al-Zumar, Allah says, Inna Allah la yahdi man huwa kathibun kafar. Indeed, Allah does not guide those who are liars and kafar, disbelievers. Wallahu al-musta'an, and the most ungrateful of people they are. So, the most important thing for, for attaining shafa'ah is that we ask Allah for shafa'ah and that we worship Him alone. We remain people of Tawheed from start to finish. La ilaha illallah, this is what it means. That we worship none but Allah. We call upon none but Allah. And so forth with every other act of worship. Also we need to uh, abstain from major sin. And also from bid'ah or innovations into the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is also mentioned in hadith in Sahih Bukhari. Where people will come on the day of Qiyamah. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will look at the whole of mankind. And he will be able to pinpoint who are the followers of his? Who are the Muslims? And he will call people out. And how does he know who they are? Because their parts of wudu will be glowing and shining. Their faces, their heads, their feet, their hands, their arms. All those parts, your ears, your mouth, your nose will be shining and glowing. Because of the wudu that we did in this dunya. And that's how the Prophet will know these are the Muslims. The people of Salah, the people of wudu. And he will call them over. But some people will be prevented even after they are called. So these are, this cannot be the mushrikeen. Because the mushrikeen will not be called. These are the Muslims that are called. But the major sinners and the people of specifically bid'ah will be turned away as the hadith says. The Prophet will then say to the malaika who are turning them away, this is, this is my follower. This is my follower. He can see this is his follower. And the malaika will then respond and say, you do not know what they innovated into the deen after you. ما أحدثوا بعدك What they added to the deen after you. 
And the Prophet وسلم, will then say, Suhqan, Suhqan, to these people. He, the Prophet of Mercy, who kept the dua for that day, will then say, Be away, be away, get away, get away. To these people who added to the deen, Wallahu al-Musta'an. So, this is an, of why it's of utmost importance that we worship Allah ta'ala alone, sincerely, tawheedan, and secondly, according to the sunnah of Rasulullah, without any bid'ah or innovation into the deen, because this can also prevent us from shafa'ah, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us, and also to abstain from major sins, to abstain from major sins. This And now Allah is the best time to rectify our fears. In the month of Ramadan, it's the best opportunity. Allah has given us so many opportunities in the month of Ramadan, by shackling the shayateen and so forth, for us to turn to Him. For us to turn to him and rectify our ways, and may Allah make us of them who do that. We move on to the next part of Ayatul Kursi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He knows what happens to them, his creatures, in this world, and what will happen to them in the year after. He knows if this is now the perfect knowledge of Allah. This part of the ayah speaks about the perfect knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He knows the past, he knows the present, he knows the future, he knows every single thing. He knows the unseen and that which is seen. There is nothing that escapes the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not the smallest of detail escapes the knowledge of Allah. This was the ayah quoted earlier that not the smallest or nothing is hidden from Allah, not even something as small as, a, as, a, as an ant, it's the weight of an ant in the heavens or the earth, not even smaller than that or bigger than that, is hidden from Allah. He knows every single thing, past and present. Um, Allah then says, and they will never encompass anything of his knowledge except that which he wills. We will not achieve any knowledge from the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except what Allah wills for us, except what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows upon us. So Allah is the ultimate teacher and we are uh, like students. We cannot learn except what which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to learn. And this shows again the perfection of Allah and the weakness of, of creation. As Allah says, وَمَا أُوتِيْتُ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا we, I, I have not given them of knowledge except very, very little. قَلِيلًا What we actually know is so little in comparison to the real knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, the perfect knowledge. And when we were born, the Qur'an says, وَاللَّهُ أَخْرَجَكُمْ مِنْ بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ شَيْئًا When we took them out of the, the, the wombs of their mothers, we took them out, لَا تَعْلَمُونَ شَيْئًا when, whilst they knew nothing. We were born ignorant. And then we grow and we learn and we learn and we learn. And this shows us the weakness of insan compared to the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, some of us, may Allah protect us, will even go back to, as we grow and we learn and get strong, we become old and weak. And then some of us go back to forgetfulness. We go back to, um, you know, a state where we, we can't remember anymore. Uh, we will become senile and so forth. Wallahu musta'an. This can also happen. And this again shows the, the weakness of insan. We are people of, who forget. We are people who forget. In fact, the hadith says, Nasiya Adam. Adam forgot. What did Adam forget? Eating from the tree. Adam alayhi salam, he forgot. 
and and his offspring they also forgot. We are insan. The word insan comes from the word nasya, which means to forget. Now this is the reality of insan compared to the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قَالُوا سُبْحَانَكَ لَا عِلْمَ لَنَا إِلَّا مَا عَلَّمْتَنَا This was the angels who said, Subhanak to Allah. Perfection belongs to you, O Allah. لَا عِلْمَ لَنَا We have no knowledge except that which you taught us. This is in Surah Baqarah, verse number 32. الَّذِي عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمِ عَلَّمَ الْإِنسَانَ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ Allah is the one who taught by the pen. And he taught insan that which they know not. That which they know not. And there are so many examples of this that we can mention. The reality is, there is no knowledge that we can acquire, and there is no knowledge that we have acquired, except that it's a bounty from the bounties of Allah, and a favor from the favors of Allah, and it's tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He has given us and allowed us to benefit from His knowledge. Illa bimasha, except by His will. This does not happen except by His will. So, we, we should start the day with the intention to seek knowledge, and also we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every morning from the morning du'as we say Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'a We owe Allah ask you for beneficial knowledge. This is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa used to do every morning. So we should do the same. وَرِزْقًا طَيِّبًا وَعَمَلًا مُتَقَبَّلًا And for wealth that is pure and for actions that are accepted. This is something that we should try and incorporate every morning. So we start the day asking Allah for beneficial knowledge because knowledge we will never acquire except by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and more specifically knowledge of Allah to know who Allah is it's impossible to know who Allah is except by studying the Quran and the Sunnah by studying the names and attributes of Allah and this only happens after the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we move on to the next part where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says his kursi extends over the heavens and the earth his kursi and this is where the name Ayatul Kursi comes from, the Ayah of the Kursi. So firstly the question is, what is the Kursi? The Kursi is actually sometimes translated as the throne, but this is actually incorrect. The Kursi is not the throne, the Kursi refers to the footstool of Allah. It is the footstool of Allah. And this was narrated from the great Sahabi and the Imam of Tafsir, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, he said, the kursi is the footstool and no one is able to give due consideration to Allah's throne. So the kursi is something separate to the throne. The throne is the arsh of Allah. The throne is, is, is what we call the, the arsh of Allah. The kursi is the footstool which is below the arsh. So we've got the dunya, the seven, seven earths, then you get the seven heavens, then you get the roof of Jannah, then you get the kursi. And there is large distances between these creations. It's not just on top of each other as if you can just see it, right? Seven heavens, the roof of Jannah, the kursi, then you get the throne. And then you get the end of creation. That's the end of creation. So, there's a hadith where the haq, or narration, uh, he narrates from Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah again, he said, if the seven heavens and the seven earths were flattened and laid side by side. Now picture this, you got, we only know this one earth. We only know uh, the earth. There are seven earths as the Quran said. And there are seven heavens. If they were laid out flat side by side, they would add up to the size of a ring in a desert compared to the kursi. So 
Imagine how big is the dunya? Seven earths plus the seven heavens, which are way bigger than the earths. If this is flattened out side by side, they will equal a ring in the middle of a desert. The desert is the kursi. So how great and how huge and magnificent is the kursi then? Subhanallah. And this is why the ayah says, وَسِعَ كُرْسِيهُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The kursi of Allah extends over the heavens and the earth. So this is beyond our, our imagination. It's beyond our comprehension how great the kursi actually is. There is also a hadith. There is also a hadith which is authenticated by Sheikh Al-Bani rahimahullah in a silsila sahihah number 109 where he said that so we've spoken about the, the earth and the heavens seven heavens, seven earths compared to the kursi and he says that the arsh which is above the kursi the virtue of the arsh over the kursi is like that desert over that ring so we've given the example the seven heavens is like a small ring and the seven earths if they were flattened out side by side, they would equal a small ring in the middle of a desert. That desert is the kursi. That's how great the kursi is over the seven heavens and the seven earths. But the arsh over the kursi is like the greatness of that desert over that ring. So this is now, again, way, way beyond what we can possibly imagine or comprehend or understand. This is the limited knowledge that we have. The limited abilities and, and comprehension that we have. This is as far as we can see, even not even within this dunya. There are seven earths, seven heavens. This is like a small ring compared to a massive desert. That's the, that's the kursi. But the arsh over the kursi is like that. Is, is the same parable basically. Is put basically say the kursi is now the, the ring and the arsh is the desert. That's the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the throne is the greatest of Allah's creation. The biggest and the greatest the most powerful of the greatest of creation is the arsh of Allah. This ayah speaks about the kursi. The arsh is even greater than that. Subhanallah. So this is the great... Imagine that's, the, that's still creation. The arsh is creation. The kursi is creation. Seven heavens is creation. Seven earths is creation. Then you get insan. And all of the other created beings. All of these things are in dire need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at every moment. Or even the arsh. If it's not for Allah, the arsh will be destroyed. The arsh will fall apart. If it's not for the will of Allah and the command of Allah, and the qayyumiyyah, his qayyum, he upholds everything. If it's not for him and his will, the arsh itself will fall apart. The kursi will fall apart. It will disintegrate. The seven heavens will fall apart. Imagine where do we fit in? Subhanallah. Then you still get Allah Azza wa Jal. This is, we are only talking about creation. You still have the great, perfect creator who is above all of that. Wallahu al-musta'an. Allah then says, وَلَا يَؤُودُهُ حِفْظُهُمَا وَلَا يَؤُودُهُ حِفْظُهُمَا And he feels no fatigue in guarding and preserving them. Referring to the heavens and the earth. Referring to the good, all of creation. He feels no burden. He feels no stress. He feels no fatigue, no tiredness, no weariness, no nothing. Looking after them and what's between them, preserving, guarding them at every moment, every single thing creation we said is in need of Allah. Not not even for the blinking of an eye can we be independent of Allah. But none of this tires Allah out. None of this brings about any type of weakness, 
to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He sustains everything at every moment, has perfect watch over everything, and nothing escapes his knowledge, and no matter is, is a secret for him. This is the greatness and the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is insignificant, modest, and humble before him. He is Al-Ghani, the most rich, free from need, self-sufficient. And he is Al-Hamid, worthy of all praise. He does as he wills. يَعْلَمُ مَا يَشَاءُ And no one can ask him about what he does. Subhanallah. We have the audacity to say, but how can Allah do this? And why did Allah do that? No one has the right to ask Allah. فَعَالٌ لِمَا يُرِيدٌ The Quran says he does whatever he wills, whatever he desires. He is the creator of everything. Well, they will be asked. Rather, we will be questioned for what we do. We have no right to ask Allah. Was Allah has every right to ask and we will be questioned, we know this. We are going to stand in front of Allah and we will be questioned over why we did certain things and why did we not do certain things. He has supreme power over all things and perfect alertness concerning everything. He is Al-Ali and Al-Azim as the surah ends off. وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ He is Al-Ali and Al-Azim. He is the most high. Al-Ali is, is another two names of Allah. He is Al-Ali which is the most high and Al-Azim, the most great or the most supreme or powerful, depending on translation, he is the greatest, Al-Azim. Al-Ali, yani, the most high in every way, right? He is the most high in his essence. He is the most high in his power and also in his abilities. All of this is perfection to Allah. His power over everything, Allah is the most high, yani, nothing can overpower him. He is, al- uh, he is perfect Qadr. He is the most high when it comes to his abilities and his perfection. And nothing can, can prevent him or stop him or, or, or nothing can incapacitate him. Allah does as he pleases. وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهُ حَقَّ قَدْرِي وَهُوَ الْقَاهِرُ فَوْقَ عِبَادِي He is over his slaves. You know? Um, and also, he is above his throne. He is above his throne. Al-Ali, the one who is the most high, he is above his throne. And there are so many evidences for the fact that Allah is above. And it's an incorrect belief to say that Allah is everywhere. Or that Allah exists but not within time and space. None of this is found in the Quran or in the Sunnah. None of these beliefs are found in the Quran or in the Sunnah. The Quran explicitly says Allah is Al-A'la, Al-Ali, Al-Muta'al. The one who is above Ar-Rahman ala al-Arsh istawa is Ar-Rahman, the one who rose up above his throne. And there are thousands of proofs with this. Alama Imam ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah mentioned four to five thousand evidences. Or he mentioned that there are four to five thousand evidences for the fact that Allah is above his throne. And he mentioned at least a hundred type of evidences in one of his book, Ijtima' al-Juyush, uh, and so forth. And there are many. Some of the scholars have gone into more detail and mentioned even more of those. Walhamdulillah. This is a clear belief of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah that all the Sahaba agreed on, all the great Imams of the Tabi'in agreed on, all four Imams of the Madahib agreed Allah is above the throne, all six Imams of the classical uh, main works of Hadith, Bukhari, Muslim, and so forth agreed Allah is above the throne. This is the Aqeedah of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah without any doubt. Um, so, this is Allah is Al Ali, He is the Most High, and He is also Al Azim, the greatest, the most great. So we should humble ourselves unto him. Knowing this is who Allah is, the most high, the most great, it's only then appropriate that we humble ourselves to him. 
that we belittle ourselves in front of him, in front of his greatness, that we call upon him, we worship him alone, we show humility and submission unto him. This is what is required of us, seeing and knowing and learning about the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only through this ayah. It's still the entire Quran. There's still hundreds of Allah's names to, this, to, 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 to try and understand and to implement. And Alhamdulillah, we just finished the book, Afiqul Asma'il Husna, where we try to, you know, try to gain that knowledge, the greatest of all knowledge. Um, but this is what it's all about, to try and understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the Quran and through the Sunnah. And that's the only way to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah can only be known through sources of revelation, through sources of um, revelation. So, subhanAllah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of, of those slaves of his who will, uh, be, who will acquire knowledge for his sake, knowledge of his deen, knowledge of the Quran and the Sunnah, and knowledge of him as well. And to be of those who implement this knowledge, and to be of the mukhlisin, the sincere righteous worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, people of Tawheed, and to make us of the people who follow the Sunnah, and not of those who innovate into the deen of Allah, and to be of those who ultimately acquire the great intercession of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So that basically brings us to the end of our explanation of Ayatul Kursi. Um, and I pray it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it was a beneficial discussion as it was beneficial to me walhamdulillah. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who understand this great verse, who maintain and, and draw great benefits from this verse. And to be of those who implement this verse daily. Recite it every morning, every evening. Recite it after every salah. And recite it before you sleep. As we mentioned the virtue of, of these actions. Alhamdulillah. And when we recite it, recite it with understanding. And this is of utmost importance. When you recite Ayatul Kursi next time, recite it with understanding. Don't just read it parrot fashion. Quickly and it's off your tongue. Recite it next time knowing what you are saying. Knowing what you are saying. Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyul qayyum. Understand what did I say? Allah, la ilaha illahu, al hayy al qayyum. All of these things that we mentioned today, the basic uh, interpretation of what's meant, bi'idhnillah, try to remember it, try to say it with understanding as often as possible, and that meaning will then penetrate the heart. That meaning will then penetrate the heart. It's not just about reading the translation, it's not just about reciting it, it's about, it's, it's, it's about both. Recite it with meaning, with understanding, with reflection. So that those meanings can then penetrate the heart and then have, a, have an effect on the heart. And this is what the Quran is all about. Kitabun anzalnahu ilayka mubarakun liyadabbaru ayati. As Allah says, it's a book that we sent down to you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa which is mubarak. The entire Quran is mubarak from start to finish. It's blessed. Liyadabbaru ayati. So that they may reflect and ponder over its ayat. And this is what it's all about. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who reflect over his book and to make us of his special people, the people of the Quran. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Shadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.